Everybody, welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. You may be here this morning and you woke up and you're not thinking like, my story is epic. You may be thinking like, it's already hot and I'm tired. At least that's what I felt as I woke up this morning. Uh, but really, the, the goal of this series, which we've been uh, speaking on the last few weeks, is how do we look at the scriptures, the Bible, and what God's put together, and what are the lessons that we can draw from how God has interacted with humanity, and what are the... The, the characters involved in the story, what are the, the, the situations that happen, and then what are the themes that, that we can pull out to apply today. And so that's what we're doing over this series, is looking at what has happened as God has interacted with people, and what does that mean for us. And so anytime you read the scriptures, there's always this, this implication to, to read it, to understand it, to know what was going on, the time in which it was written, but also... To find what, what is the bridge, like how do we actually take what has happened in history and take what God has done and apply it to us here and now. And so that's what we're trying to do. And so I want to just recap things uh, for any of you that may have missed where we've been the last few weeks. And so we started the series uh, on Easter and we talked about the importance of Jesus Christ, the life that he lived, the fact that he, he came and he modeled what it meant to follow after God. And he also died on the cross for our sins and he rose again on the third day. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. And that's what we started the series on. That's actually out of order in terms of history. But as you deal with the epic story of the Bible, you find that everything points towards Christ. And after Christ, everything looked back on that event. So it's actually the most important event in history. It's the most important event in the scriptures. And and that's where we started. And today we're going to tie that Back to that as well as we talk about another character uh, in the Old Testament. A couple weeks ago, we went back kind of to the beginning of time and started at the beginning of the story and talked about creation and how God brought the world into being and how he created the heavens and the earth and also humans. And in that, he gave us a certain responsibility. He gave us an identity. He gave us a role to play in the world. And that actually gives us a tremendous amount of privilege, but also accountability because Nothing else he created, he gave the same role to that he did to the men and women that he made. And so we we talked about the significance in that. We talked about the responsibility of that. And then last week we talked about how the story kind of turned and it presented the first conflict and the first villain. And we got introduced to Satan. We got introduced to sin and how that also changed everything. And that kind of created these cracks in the story of what God had, had made for us. And so last week we talked about the reality of sin, the fact that it is something that happened in the past, but also that it's something that impacts us today. It's something that we deal with every day of our life, this this battle of of sin, and it's real. And we talked about the the effect and the impact of it, which I don't have to convince you of. We we see that in life. We also talked about despite sin, uh, what do we do? How do we kind of regain hope? And we're going to continue on that theme today, and we're going to look at the story of uh, Abraham. And Abraham is a central figure in the Old Testament, but there's also some ties to his story, which tie also to Christ. And so we're going to kind of pull that uh, all together. And so week one was a story that resonates. Week two was grand opening. Week three was falling apart, talking about sin. And then today we're talking about chosen but struggling. And the idea is, how do we still... Find purpose in a relationship with God despite the things that are difficult about life. Despite the obstacles we face, despite, despite the barriers that, that we may 
encounter. And so I'm going to kind of brush a lot of history in a short amount of time to catch us up with the story of Abraham. And so what we find in the story past sin in, in Genesis three, sin entered in Genesis four. Things begin to happen further, which reflect people trying to follow after God despite sin. And we're introduced to the first kind of theme of sacrifice and sacrifice is a major thing that we're going to talk about today. Sacrifice and faith. So kind of keep those in your head. But the first sacrifice re- recorded in the scriptures was actually from Adam and Eve's son, Cain and Abel. And there's this relationship that's happening, like God has given pers- purpose to man and woman, but because of sin, the men and women keep messing up and they keep kind of getting off track and, and they're trying to figure out, well, what do we need to do? And there's this sacrificial system that, that was established. And I could spend a lot of time talking about just that, but I want to just briefly highlight this idea of what God has, has given you. Not only do you sacrifice and give it back to him and they were given responsibilities, they were given a job and they realize, OK, if God made us and God has put us here on this earth, then we actually need to factor him in. Like we can't just act like he doesn't exist. And so part of it was the sacrifice of giving. You begin to see uh, in Genesis chapter four, right at the beginning of time. But then there was also the sacrifice that happened because of sin, like We've messed up. What do we need to do to be made right? And there's another theme that, that was coming in this term of sacrifice. Like, you, you've messed up, so something has to happen in order for you to be made right. And so much of the Old Testament is built upon this theme of sacrifice. But the sacrifice of giving, of whatever we've been given to God, we want to give back to him, you find in Genesis 4, 3. And it says this, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And here you see they were given a job to do. And out of the job, they had fruits of their labor. And they decided like, okay, if God made us and he's given us the strength and the skill to earn these fruits, like we need to give them back to him. And so this is just early humans trying to figure out how do we relate to God. And it's something out of what God provides, we give back to him. And so it's traced all the way back to this uh, in history. And you read in the New Testament that Abel's gift was pleasing to the Lord because it was done in faith and he wanted to give the best to God while Cain's gift was kind of like, okay, God, I'm just going to give you the minimum and I'm just going to give you just whatever I think I, I need to give in order to be made right, which is another theme that you find is God kind of stretching us to give our best to him. And so all this is happening in the, in the beginning chapters. And so this series could be like a hundred weeks Okay, and you could just, because so far we've spent, we're on the fourth week and we're in Genesis chapter four. So if you're calculating and you know like the chapters in the whole scriptures, we're going to be done in this like by the time you guys are all old. But so we're going to have to speed up. So we're in Genesis four. Uh, After Genesis four, humans are still relating to God and there's a character called Noah. Have you heard of Noah before? Noah's known for what thing that he built? The ark, right? The big boat. And what did he put in the ark? Animals, right? Two by two. And do you, anyone know the songs? Yeah, okay. A few of you. Some of you don't want to admit it. But there's all these songs that you learn, like about these major characters and the life of Noah. But we're not going to spend much time on Noah, although Noah represents God pursuing despite sin. And Noah's responding out of faith. Okay, God, I'm going to do what you said. And I'm going to build this ark. And him and his family were spared from God's judgment because of sin. Okay? So that's going on in, in, in Genesis chapter 8. So all this is happening, and all this is happening in history, and this theme of sacrifice is continuing 
to kind of rise to the surface. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this idea of sacrifice, this idea of of faith. And we're going to develop this a little bit more. But in the midst of that, there's this big umbrella that sacrifice and faith falls under. And that umbrella is God pursuing us and the relationship that he wants to have with humans. And that's what you see on the screen. God keeps pursuing a friendship with the people that he made. So early on, as you read the scriptures, you find out that like this perfect world that God made did not last long. And it did not last long because of sin. But despite sin and the fact that things got messed up, God again and again took initiative to pursue the men and women that he made. The reason that's important is that is actually why we have hope here today. Because despite what's happened in history, despite what's happened in our own life, in our past, the things that we've done, this is still true. God still pursues the people that he made. And so the idea of sacrifice and the idea of having faith in God fits under this initiative that God has with us. God has taken the initiative to make us. God has taken the initiative to pursue us. And that's so important because if we think that all this relationship with God is dependent on us, we're in big trouble. It's actually dependent on him. And that's the theme that you see again and again that kind of is over all themes. God pursuing God's initiative. And so I want to introduce this theme of sacrifice and kind of lay it out more in the life of Abraham. And what you find is in the story of the scriptures is that sacrifice is at the heart of God's plan to redeem the world. This is actually what we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about the person of Jesus Christ and God's plan to send his only son for us. And this is also what we're going to see in the beginning of time through the Old Testament. This idea of sacrifice is how God has wired in redemption to work. The idea of something that is lost to be found or something that is broken to become fixed. And I want to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 12. Now, a lot has happened again from Genesis 4 to Genesis 12. But in Genesis 12, we see this promise that is made to Abraham and how that promise has impacted the whole entire world. So it's a very significant event. And this is what we find in Genesis 12. Verse one, it says, now the Lord said to to Abram, his name was Abram. And then it got shifted in about Genesis 17 to Abraham and his name change represented the promise that God made that, which I'm going to go over. So now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you see that last part? You know how we've talked about there's certain scriptures that get our attention? Well, this is one. That last part. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That includes us. So this is God's plan. Despite sin and brokenness, through Abraham, he wants to bless all the nations of the world, all the families. He wants them to experience his blessing. And it was going to come through the family line of Abraham. And now you may think, well, that that's an interesting story. Well, what's interesting is 
the actual life of Abraham at this time. At this time that God gave him this promise, he was 75 years old. He didn't have any children, and his wife Sarah was barren. So if you could imagine this promise that I will bless you and your family, and from your family the rest of the world will be blessed. There's a sense in like, this isn't just ironic, this seems cruel. Like how, how, would, how would that happen? How is that possible? He's 75 years old, but Abraham was a man of great faith. And if you've known anything about Abraham, if you've learned at a young age or even more recently as an adult, you, you get the sense that Abraham is this, this legendary man in the Old Testament of great faith. And the reason that is, is not because of anything he said, but it's actually because of what he did. God told him to leave his comfort. Now, I know for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my, my mid-30s, and the older I get, the more comfortable I, you know, I like my chair at my house you know, and I have my kind of favorite cup that I like to have coffee out of. And I have like these patterns and routines. And what I've been told, especially for men, the older you get, the more you like your routines, the more you like to kind of keep things how you like them. It's just you know, comforting to us men. Well, at 75, you think there's some patterns that Abraham enjoys. But at 75, God told him you need to leave. You need to go. And the reason you need to do this is because I have a blessing for you and your family. And he's thinking, well, what family? I, I don't have kids. But he, he didn't question God. He actually left. And so the, the story continues. And what happened is after 25 years, he had a son. So from 75, from this first promise, he was given a son. And in verse uh as it continues in verse 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, you, you see what happens to this, this promise. So he was promised the son. 25 years later, he comes, and his name is Isaac. And God wants to give this, this vision to Abraham about how all the nations will be blessed. And there's some different things that are happening in this chapter. And God is, is showing uh, Abraham as he left to get to the land of Canaan. He shows him, and he takes him up, and he looks at the stars, and he says, like, this... This will be the blessing that will come, like the number of the stars in the sky. So there's a sense Abraham's getting this picture of like, wow, you, you really have promised to bless. You're showing that, that you are going to come through. And then his son is born 25 years later. Now, it's easy to read that and think, well, that, that sure is great. But I'm not that patient of a person a lot of times. And I think in terms of like, I want things immediately. You know, like, aren't we kind of instant? You, you ever go to slow Internet and you're like, that took three seconds for that page to load. Three. Do you know how much I could have done? Those three. And then there's the other side, which is like, here's the promise. I will bless you and your family and you will have a, this offspring. And from the offspring, the blessing will flow to the rest of the world. And at 75, he's thinking, well, that, it's been a lot of time I've lived my life. And then 25 years later, it happens. It's what patience he has, but it shows his trust in God. God, God will come through and he trusted God fully. And so the story uh, continues in Genesis chapter 22. This is what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Okay. So, so far Abraham's had some tests like you're 75, leave the comfort of your home and move. That was like a test. And he did it and he moved to the land of Canaan. And God promised, I, I'm going to multiply you like the stars are in heaven. And he passed the test. Well, another test comes. 
He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So he waited 25 years. He finally has a son. And then God brings a new test. And this test is a test of sacrifice. And he tells him to give his one and only son back to God as this is this offering. And it doesn't really make any sense. And this actually kind of reads like, I don't know if you've ever watched like Dateline or 48 Hours, this crazy story and this, this situation. You're like, that does not seem like that's good. That does not seem like that makes sense. Well, this is how this reads. God promises a son. He provides a son. And then he asks for that son to be sacrificed. It doesn't make any sense. But what you find from this story is that it actually ends good. Just all the cliffhanger, like, it ends good. If you're feeling anxious, it does end good. And you also learn a lot about God and man's response and what happens in this dialogue. So I want to kind of unpack this some more. And so Genesis 22, 6 through 8, it goes further. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So... This was told to to Abraham, and I'm sure Abraham had a million questions like I would. What you find is Abraham decided that I'm going to obey what God has told me. And he was 100 years old, and he was a wealthy man at the time. But he decided for this sacrifice that was being asked, this worst moment of his life, this excruciating promise that seemed to now be dashed, he decided, well, I I need to go do what, what God has told me to do. And so he, he saddles up his own donkey and he gathers all the supplies and he takes Isaac with him. And not only this, and this is the part that just seems crazy to me. Isaac is helping him carry the very supplies that are for his own sacrifice. Like you, this story is just, it's just so complex and perplexing at the same time. And it's layered with just this tremendous like pain and unknown in the midst of, of how this is happening. And then so the story continues. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, he says, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire, or sorry, I read that wrong. So, yes, my son, Abraham replied, and this is Isaac speaking. He says, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And this dialogue is happening between this son and his father. And Isaac begins to wonder, we're going to do this sacrifice, but I don't see this lamb. And lambs were usually the animal, this kind of spotless, blameless lamb. These were the animals that were used for the sacrifice, to be made right for God, to pay for the penalty of sin. So guys is thinking, this is just another sacrifice that we need to do to be made right with God. That's what we do. God pursues us and we rebel and we sacrifice. But he's looking around, he's thinking, I'm carrying the supplies, but I don't see, I don't see the lamb. And then Abraham's response is so telling. He says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. His response is he called him God. He says, Abraham, it's God himself will provide. It's from the Hebrew of 
Jehovah Jireh, which means that God will provide. He is the provider. And so there's this sense, as he's stepping out in faith, willing to sacrifice the promise that God had given him, he trusts that, that God will provide. This is tremendous, tremendous faith. And so they approach the place, and the story continues in verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now you see those three dots if you go back? That's like one of the biggest cliffhangers in the scriptures, right? Okay, he took the knife to slay his son. And you're thinking, what what happens next? And the story continues. It says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Now, we just get like a couple of exclamation points. And I don't exactly know what the angelic response would have been. But you get the sense of like, you got to get this timing right. Like anytime there's like a repeated word in scripture, it shows it's important. And then you got the exclamation. It's like, Abraham, Abraham. Like, whoa, whoa. Slow down. And I, I just love the response. It's so subtle. Here I am. Like, you just going to imagine. I, I was hoping, I was hoping some angel would call out. That's what you're thinking. I mean, if you're Abraham, you're thinking, I was hoping some angel would call out at the appropriate time. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. This is just this amazing picture of Abraham trusting that God's promise will happen, that he will provide. He is the Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He will provide what he wants and what I need. And then at the same, it's this test that God gave. And God was not going to kill Isaac. But it was a test. And in that, Abraham responded in faith, willing to sacrifice the dearest thing to him, his son and the promise that that represents. And so when you read these scriptures and when you dig into the Bible and you take the time to do that, which I encourage you to do, you get these glimpses of things that you just get the sense like you couldn't make this up. This is beautiful. It's this beautiful picture. It's tragedy and, and triumph all in one. And it's the sacrifice and it's this faith and it's God coming through at just the opportune time. And that's what God does. It's the sense of he, he calls us to action and we have to respond in faith. And so I want to just talk a little bit about what the sacrifice looks like. But before I do that, the, the story uh, continues in 13. This is what it says. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. So when he said God would provide, he didn't know what that would look like. He didn't know would that mean I kill my son and he provides another son. But what you see is it meant that he provide a ram at the appropriate time. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In the Old Testament, you see all these instances of events that happened, and then they change the name 
of that area to represent the event so people wouldn't forget. So as people went to this region of Moriah, it now was called on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And I don't know how that works in conversation. Like, oh, yeah, are you going to on the mountain of the day that it will be provided? Yeah. Well, I went there last week, but next week I'll go to on the day of the Lord that it was provided. You know, I don't know how that works, but there's a sense in which you name it so you don't forget what God has done. And this represented this provision that God provided in the nick of time based on the test that was given to Abraham. So here's what's interesting about this story. This actually is this precursor and this this prophecy of what is going to happen as Jesus Christ was introduced to the world and what God himself was willing to do. And that's what you find. There's a sense in which how could God ask this of Abraham? This test seems too much. But what you find is, is through God sending his only son, that is the promise of the world to bless it, he himself sacrificed his son. And it happened. And he laid his son down for us. And so some of the parallels that people look into in relating this story of Abraham and his son Isaac to the story of God and his son Jesus is just in the, the journey itself, you know, Abraham took three days journey to get to this Mount Moriah and that three days, a lot of people says it's significant of the three days of Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection from the Friday to the Sunday. Even the area of Mount Moriah, many scholars predict that that is the same area of Calvary where Jesus himself was crucified. And so the sacrifice that Abraham made of Isaac is the place in which Jesus was sacrificed for us. But the main difference is God did not spare his son for us. And so he did not ask Abraham to do anything that he himself was not going to do. And in fact, he spared his son. I mean, he didn't spare his son, but he allowed him to die and to rise again. So we may have hope. And so you see that this this idea of faith and sacrifice is again related to this bigger picture of redemption. And God himself was willing to redeem the world by sending his only son for us. But there's a lot of lessons. As you look at what God did and the initiative he took as he related to Abraham and then what God did as he sent Jesus, there's also the response of what that means for us. And the idea of of sacrifice is whenever you sacrifice something, it really is boiled down to you sacrifice something that is security for you. Whenever you give something that you have, you're you're giving up some security. Uh, If you have extra food and you give your food and you sacrifice for somebody, or you give of your own portion, you're sacrificing, and you don't know, well, am I going to have enough? If you sacrifice your money, will I have enough money for myself, for my family? As you sacrifice your time, will I have enough time to do all that I need to do? And sacrifice is always presented with this risk of what will happen as I'm less secure. As I give of myself and I sacrifice, what happens to my security? That's always what's going on. And so what God is doing through this theme of sacrifice, he's encouraging us to place our security in him and not the things that he's calling for us to sacrifice. That's That's a major lesson that you find in the scriptures. 
Sacrifice is connected to faith. Because faith is, as I give up what God has asked me to give, I trust that he will take care of me. As I give up some of my cushion, as I give up some of my materials, as I give up certain relationships, as I give up certain things that are really important to me, I trust that my security is not in that, but instead in the one who provided it for me. And that's what really Abraham learned. He learned that his security was not in his son, Isaac. His security was actually not even in the promise that God gave him. His security was in God himself. And he decided to surrender to God and to obey him. And that's the same thing that he asks us to do. He wants us to see all the things that we want to place our security in and decide to give that up and trust him and him alone. So God is always calling us to do that. And he's testing us to see what are the things that we place our trust in. And are we willing to give that up so we maybe experience more security than we can get from anything outside of him. So that's sacrifice and faith working together. Not only that, what you find in the scriptures is that God is pleased when we offer up to him what's most valuable to us. He's pleased by this. The reason he's pleased is not because he wants to squash all the things that are important or squash our dreams or our goals. He wants us to know, and he wants to know, do we place our trust in him? Do we trust him above everything else? Ephesians 5 says this, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And here you see, this is that sacrifice theme tied to Christ. It's the encouragement of, we need to do this as well. That's what love is. You you sacrifice for other people. But ultimately, you love God by sacrificing for him. So I want to encourage you this morning, uh, as, as you kind of think through this story, and it's, you know, you get so many details and so many just aspects of it. It's easy to just think, well, that was just this crazy once-in-a-lifetime event, which, in a way, it was. It's remarkable, and that's why we talk about it. But at the same time, there are things that God has given us, that he's provided, that we also have to decide, am I willing to not depend on that? Am I willing to, to rely on God instead of this thing that he's given? So I want to encourage you, what are the things that God has provided that over time, if you're not careful, can be what you place your security in. Maybe it's a, a relationship with, with somebody close to you. Maybe it's this, this dream that you have. Maybe it's just financial security. It's different for each of us. But there's something that, because of, because of kind of sin and how things get maligned, like we take God's provision, but sometimes we stand on the provision instead of we stand on our hope in God. So what is it? Like if if God was to ask you to give something up, what do you think that would be? What do you think would be your test? What's the the thing that you place most of your your security in outside of your relationship with God? I want to just share briefly what that looked like for me because it was kind of a turning point in, in my own life. 
And some of you know this story, but when I was a teenager, I was like really into music and I, I was a drummer and my goal in life was like I wanted to be in a band. Doesn't that sound like just the perfect like teenager thing to do? Like, what are you going to do? I'm going to be in a band. Rock on. You know, you just drop those when you can. But uh, at 16, I had an opportunity to actually go on tour with a band. And I, I really thought like this, I mean, I, this was my dream. And then like at 16, I had this opportunity to spend a summer away from my parents and go on tour with a band. And I was like, this, this is it. And then, you know, I was talking with the band, like, yeah, so if this all goes well, you finish high school and then you graduate and then you just join the band. I was like, let's do it. You know, finish high school, join a band. And so at 16, I left my comfort of my family and I went to the state of Missouri with like my luggage and drums, like a 16 year old boy. All I had was just drums and cases and just this big smile on my face. My dream was before me and I was going to take it by the horns. And then, as you can imagine, like, it didn't work out. Like, I'm not in a band today. <laughs> this could be a really long story, but as you can tell, it didn't work out. I'm not a rock and roll star, okay? But I really wanted to be at the age of 16. And what happened at the age of 16 is I was actually, for the first time, confronted with this idea. And I had really placed my ambition and my desire to be in a band above really what, what God wanted for me. And to cut a, a really long story short, as I went to Missouri and I played with this band, God did not allow me to have any joy in that experience. As I was playing with them and they were playing with me, it was like we were playing in separate rooms. And if you've been in music, uh, this idea of you being able to play together and being unified is very important, just like in sports. And it was just like there was no synergy. It, it just was this grind. And I had this thought like, I don't think this is going to work out. And then I had my first band meeting. You know, like you're in a band and then you have your first band meeting and then it's like even more legit. And the first band meeting, I just thought like, I don't know if this is going to work out. And the very first thing in the band meeting was, hey, Alex, I don't know if this is going to work out. And I was thinking in my head, well, that's my thought. But like now you said it, it's a lot more real. And I burst into tears like a 16 year old boy I never wants to do. And I just bawled in front of them. And God got a hold of me really for the first time where I realized like it's not about my own dreams. It's not about my own ambition. It's not even about my own picture. But am I willing to do whatever God wants me to do? And for the first time in my life, I decided I was willing to do that. And from that point on, God really changed the course of my life. And I decided to go to college, and I decided to, to really make ministry the focus of my life. And from that choice, I met my wife. And from that choice, I got plugged in a church in the valley, and I was trained and from that, I'm in this community, and all that happened from that situation when I was 16 years old. And that's what God does. He gets you to the point where you come before him and you say, God, if you want me to give up this, I will do it. If you want me to give up that, I will do it. He's always asking us for complete and utter loyalty to him and him alone. And the good news is, while he gives us those tests, he's so gracious and he's so loving. And that's what that verse is saying. It's, out of his love, he keeps pursuing us. Out of his grace, he keeps giving us more and more opportunities to face those tests of his loyalty and respond in faith. And so I just want to encourage you 
to do just a heart check, look inside and just determine, is there anything that I'm trusting in more than God? Is there anything that I'm placing really in front of God? And that could be just even deciding to follow him for the first time. God is asking this of all of us. What is it that we may not be willing to give up to follow him? And over time, as he pursues us, and as we experience his love, he wants us to respond with, okay, I'm I'm willing to give up anything. So I encourage you to do that. Just take some time today and this week and ask God to show you, is there anything that you're placing your security on more than him? Ask him to show you that. And God will. He's done that in my own life, and I know he's done that in the lives of other people. So on that note, I want to invite the band up, and I want to encourage you to take uh, some next steps. And as God initiates, he again wants us to respond in in faith. And so a couple next steps uh, you could take is trust God uh, to provide the help as I face blank. Maybe there's a circumstance you're facing that you feel as a test, or there's some unknown Ask God to to help you, to trust him as you face that and for him to provide. And so you can just write that on your connection card. And this week, I'll I'll pray for you as as you encounter that. And the second next step is surrender my blank. Whatever is kind of your security or your buffer or the thing that you're trusting in, surrender that to God. Whether that's your your family, your finances, your, your, your future and choose faith in him. I hope you can join us next week. Uh, We're going to be looking at the rescue. And we're going to talk more about God's pursuit of us. And a couple questions we're going to look at, and I hope you can join us, is what do I do with the hurts that I've experienced in life? So what do I do with the hurts that I've experienced in life? And then second, what can I expect God to do in the midst of the hard circumstances I face? So I hope you can join us. Let me pray as we ask God for help. Father, thank you for the story of Abraham and not only how you provided, but just the model of faith that we see in the life of Abraham and how your promise is true that we have received blessing because of what you've done through Abraham and his descendants. And here today we stand because your promise is true. And thank you also for the fact that you modeled this same sacrifice, and it, you, you followed it through by sacrificing your only son. And thank you for the love that you've shown us in that. God, if there's anything in, in our hearts that we're placing our security on uh, outside of you, God, will you show us and just give us a picture of, of the path that that's leading us on. And God, in faith, I ask that we will offer that to you. And trust that you will provide and you will be our security. We ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.